0: This is Ryan Martin, the host of Psychology and Stuff. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you like psychology. And if you like psychology, you will love All the Rage, the podcast on anger and violence out of Phoenix Studios. On All the Rage, my co-host Chuck Ryback and I talk about everything from internet trolls to toxic masculinity to road rage. We bring you mad science, anger management tips, and tons of stories about people losing their cool. You can learn more about All the Rage and other Phoenix Studios podcasts at uwgb.edu forward slash podcast. All right, and welcome to Psychology and Stuff, the podcast of the University of Wisconsin Green Bay Psychology Program. I'm Ryan Martin, chair of the psychology program and host of Psychology and Stuff, and we've got something a little different today. So those of you planning on uh, listening to a talk with Dr. Denise Bartel about engagement, uh, we couldn't... Get that done this week. We had to postpone that. So that'll be coming maybe later this semester, maybe uh, later than that, even depending on what we can do. Instead, though, there is actually one faculty member in the program that we have yet to interview uh, and talk about their research, and that person is me. So what we decided to do today is... I brought in my psychology chair's assistants, uh, and we are going to talk a little bit about anger, uh, which is the area I study, uh, and that sort of thing. So um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce them, but before I do, I just want to remind you that you can get involved in the conversation via Facebook and Twitter by searching for psychology and stuff. We take requests. So if you are sitting there thinking, you know what I want to hear more about is... Uh, schizophrenia you can tell us that and we will find an expert on schizophrenia and we will talk about it so uh, whatever you want to hear uh, let us know and we will do our best to put that together so i'm going to go ahead and introduce my chair's assistants who are going to be doing the interviewing today i'm turning the show over to them um, first up we have sammy elger fieser how are you sammy i'm good how are you good thanks for asking it's early i made you all come in early a.m. Yeah, all right Next up we have Katrina Weber. How are you, Katrina?
1: Good. Pretty tired, but good.
0: Also tired, good. And then last we have Amber Galata. How are you, Amber? I am swell, thank you. You did a little woot there. a woot. woot. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I support the woot. Thank you for that. All right. So with that, the show is yours. Go.
2: Wow, the pressure. <laughs> Amber, Amber's right.
0: actually uh, hosted a show before, right? Yes, because,
2: I have. It's yeah. it's quite fun. Andrew How Archer. Does, yeah. yeah. How does it feel to be on the other side for you? Is it weird? It's okay. Are you nervous? Super nervous. Oh yeah, wow. Well, we're sudden, we're not going to go easy on. You, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't. I <laughs> didn't expect you to. So, yes. All right. I guess let's start from square one. Uh, so you study anger. Anger is your thing. Um, how would you clinically define anger? It's kind of hard to define emotions.
0: Yes. so emotions are notoriously difficult to define. Um, I would argue that as a field, we've essentially failed at at coming up with a single definition, and that doesn't even uh, include all of the other, you know, disciplines that have a stake in defining emotion that haven't really been able to either. So generally, when we think about emotions, we think of them as being these psychological experiences that include, Uh, physiological, uh, cognitive, and behavioral correlates, right? So um, it's they, you know, when we feel things, our bodies react physically, um, we have particular types of thoughts, and then we want to engage in particular types of behaviors. And in the case of anger, that emotional experience usually includes the desire to drive someone away from you or lash out at someone, right? So Whether we act on that or not, and that's a really important piece of anger, is that we don't have to act on that feeling, but that's what we want to do. Uh, We want to drive people away when we're mad. So that's how I would define it. From a clinical perspective, one of the interesting things about anger is that there is no uh, really anger diagnosis. Now, anger does appear in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders in a couple of different places, but there's no single sort of diagnosis that is framed around anger and like an anger disorder, quote unquote. It's built into some depressive disorders. It's built into some personality disorders. Um, and so from a clinical perspective, we actually have a difficult time defining it uh, that way as well. Um typically we think of it being a problem once people start to experience uh consequences right so they're getting into frequent fights negative consequences i should say they're getting into frequent physical fights um they are getting into or verbal fights they're breaking stuff they're um uh feeling it's damaging relationships they're driving poorly whatever uh because of that
2: Interesting. That was that was a very good definition. <laughs> Thank you very <laughs> much. Yes. Nailed the <laughs> Defining the first question. undefinable. Yes. <laughs> so what is it particularly that you study with anger?
0: Yeah, so um, when we think about why people get angry, there's a whole bunch of reasons, right? And people tend to think about whatever the provocation is, right? They think about, okay, so what is the thing that um, uh, that caused this or provoked me, right? So I get cut off in traffic or I keep hitting red lights or I get stuck in uh, traffic with a billion people trying to go to school, which is what happened this morning on my (laughs) way here. Um, And so, you know, we think of that provocation. What we, on top of that, though, are a bunch of other factors, including um, the mood we're in before that provocation. So, you know, am I tired? Am I too warm? Am I hungry? Am I <laughs> yes, exactly? Um, am I running late? Um, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, so there's that piece, but then there's also, and this is the part that I study most directly: is how what types of thoughts do we have about that provocation? How do we appraise it? Right. So um, you know, we angry people, chronically angry people, they tend to catastrophize, right? So they make small things much bigger than they maybe really are. Um, They tend to blame others for things when bad things happen. They tend to label people in negative ways, um, and things like that. Um, And so those thought types are the things that I study in particular. Uh, So what types of, it's, um, my background is in, I, I was trained as a cognitive behavioral psychologist or counselor, and so we really focus a lot on the types of thoughts people have that lead to particular emotional responses. And so that was the topic of my dissertation. Was I developed a questionnaire or scale that measured those types of thoughts, Um, and then and I've continued to work on that for a while uh, using that scale to to explore other types of of thoughts uh, or other you know anger phenomena, and then I also more recently I study how people tend to express their anger online. So, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, email, text, things like that. So when you get mad, knowing that we communicate with people so often electronically, what are some of the unique elements there that um, that maybe exacerbate problematic expressions of anger and that sort of thing?
2: Nice. Awesome. There's a lot that goes with that. Yes, indeed. (laughs) So do you ever find yourself analyzing your own anger, your own thoughts? All the time. (laughs) Yeah. No, and
0: I I would actually say I I, I would like it if everyone did. And Mm -hmm. not just about anger, but any emotion. Like, I think it's reasonable to to ask yourself why you're feeling a certain way. I think that's a a really healthy thing for people to do is to search for that sort of insight into their own behavior and feelings. And I think a lot of times if if people actually stopped and took a moment to ask themselves, why am I mad right now? Or why am I scared right now? Or sad or whatever, that I think they would, um, I mean, now there's obviously individual differences in your capacity to answer that question honestly, you know, that, um, or accurately. Um, but I think if people were honest with themselves, I think they'd learn a lot, and that would lead to healthier emotional expressions down the road.
2: Nice. Wise words from
3: Dr. Yes. Barnes. <laughs> so wise. I feel like anger as a whole, though, has such a bad rep, like being mad, you know? Right. So.
0: It, it really does. Um, in fact, I was. it's funny you bring it up because I was talking to someone recently, and I was trying to come up with a really good – anger story like a really good example of anger and it was it was really hard to do because um they so often they're so often scary you know that Mm -hmm. like if I sit down and I tell like a a, this this anger story about you know a time when my dad blew up at someone or, or a time when I witnessed something that they're hard to tell because they they oftentimes are frightening and so it's it's hard to tell those stories in a way that is kind of entertaining or or humorous in any way because mm-hmm. they usually involve someone or a lot of versions of that involve someone getting hurt either physically or psychologically or someone being scared uh, and so on and but the, and I think that speaks to the need to um, to <laughs> the need for people to learn find ways to manage it. Um, mm-hmm. It's. I mean, this is always true of emotion. I think it's particularly true of of sadness and anger, though, that it kind of sucks to live with someone or work with someone or be with someone who experiences those emotions in intense ways often. Um, or express them in a certain way. Like, it's scary to be a kid with an angry dad or an angry mom. It's scary to be in a relationship with someone who has an anger problem, um, because you have to endure, you know, these outbursts all the time.
3: So where do you draw the line between anger as like a healthy emotion versus when it's too much Mm -hmm. when it's a bad thing?
0: That's a great question, because I, as you know, Sammy, because you went to two talks on anger of mine just recently what two weeks ago, (laughs) um, I, I usually make the argument that anger is um, good for you, that mm-hmm. it's healthy, uh, and I, mm-hmm. I and I make that argument because um, I take an evolutionary approach to emotions. I argue essentially that if the reason why emotions exist is because they helped our ancestors uh, accomplish certain things, right? So from sadness to curiosity to guilt, um, they exist because. They uh, encouraged our ancestors to solve problems. And anger energizes us to confront injustice. Uh, Well, first, it alerts us to the injustice. So, you know, when, when we feel mad, it's our brain's way of telling us, you know, you've been wronged. And then it energizes us to confront that injustice. It says, okay, now here's the energy to deal with this problem, right? So our heart rate increases and all of those things. Um, how do we know when it's a problem versus just like healthy reasonable response has a lot to do with what we do with it Um, do we yell and scream do we calmly assert ourselves do we channel it into positive experiences like art or music or literature or or other sorts of things what do we i mean if, if every time I get mad, I break something or yell at someone, no, that's not healthy. If every time I get mad, I can find ways to channel that into some sort of positive pro-social means of expressing it, that's a much better, more reasonable uh, way of dealing with it. So I, a lot of times when I'm trying to draw that line, and I'll be the first to admit it's a it's a dotted line, right? Right. Um, but when I try and draw that line, I really think about the consequences. What what is happening in your life because of it?
3: Okay,
1: that makes sense. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> Winning. So you had mentioned that you did your dissertation on anger, but what kind of got you interested in anger in the first place?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I was raised in a very very angry household. Right. There was a lot of. Uh, a lot of yelling when I was growing up, and a lot of kind of eggshell walking, um, and it, it was it, it wasn't necessarily localized to just one person. It was just, in fact, they oftentimes people referred to it as the Martin temper, um, and <laughs> that it was just a, a way. And, and And I don't want to make it sound like it was like this horrible, horrible place. It wasn't. It was a it was a very loving, wonderful home where there was also a lot of anger about about things. Um, and so I've always been interested in that way. In college, I worked at a shelter for adolescents that were um, uh, that w- they were there for lots of different reasons. Um, sometimes they were there because they um, uh, had like failed out of a foster placement. Sometimes they were there because they'd recently broken the law and they were kind of awaiting whatever was going to be next. Um, there, lots of reasons why uh, kids were there. And it was intended to be like a short-term facility, so anywhere from like a day to 90 days, depending on situations. And it seemed to me that the most salient emotion that all of these kids s- seemed to have difficulty expressing their anger um, and it got me thinking about, well, what, you know, at the time I was really interested in working with adolescents. And um, so it got me thinking about anger and how little we seem to talk about it or study it or try and work with people who have anger problems in any kind of clinical way. Um, no, I was, I will admit, I think I was really naive at the time. I think one of the things I've realized since then is how much those kids had to be angry about and how um, the problem had less to do with them than it did... Uh, their situations and that these were kids who I think um, life had been really really unfair to and and they were dealing with it the way kids deal with things um, I mean it's still in their best interest to learn effective ways to deal with it but there are a lot of other problems that need to be fixed first so I went to graduate school with the plan of studying that and then I um, Worked with a guy named Eric Dahlin, who um, was was uh, my advisor there um, and is still there, actually, and does a lot of work on driving anger in particular and studies the, the way in which anger is um, a problem on the road. He's got a really cool anger and uh, traffic psychology lab, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's awesome. interesting, yeah. yeah. I'm going to have him on at some point. So that'd be fun. Cool. Right.
2: Does he know this? I know. Um, I actually just wrote
0: him the other day and asked if he or anybody would ever want to uh, collaborate to my blog, with, or write for my uh, contribute to the blog, All the Rage. Um, and he said, yeah, he was going to try and get some students to, to write some stuff for, mm-hmm. for that. Cool. So yeah. Awesome. Yes.
2: Sounds super interesting. I think so. Yes. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about your research in particular.
0: Yeah. Uh, so um, the really the th- two or three lines that I have right now. It's so if there's this model I use that's similar to what I talked about before, where it's like okay, provocation, pre-anger state, um, appraisal, things like that, and how that all contributes to the experience of anger. Um, in that model, what the two areas I'm most interested in are the appraisal piece and the what we do when we're angry piece, right? So the consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the two areas that I tend to study. When it comes to the appraisal piece, um, I'm really, again, I'm, my, my focus has been on those types of thoughts and the way in which those thoughts uh, contribute to uh, the experience of anger. And so I've done a bunch of, I've developed that questionnaire uh, to measure that, those types of thoughts. But then we look at sort of how those thoughts are maybe related to um, other sorts of things. So do they predict Anger on the road. Do they predict uh, other sorts of, of kind of feeling states and and things like that? And and one of the interesting things is those thoughts actually predict sadness and fear and jealousy too. Um, so that's one thing. The other piece is uh, like studying the what we do when we're angry. Um, and I one of the things I've been really interested in is the role as of late is the role of avoidance. Uh, and so this comes down to a study I I did. Uh, three, four years ago where we looked at how people behave when they're angry. We use this questionnaire called the Behavioral Anger Response Questionnaire, the BARC, and it it measures kind of what people do, how do they tend to express their anger when they're mad. And there's this subscale on there called avoidance that didn't act the way we thought it would. Um, We tend to think of avoidance being bad, that that's like anger suppression and it's not good to just – kind of, you know, when you're mad at someone to just like walk away. And what we found is that sometimes it was good and sometimes it was bad. Um, and that, I mean, that isn't too surprising that nothing is good or bad all the time, but it was surprising how this one just didn't seem to correlate with anything the way we expected it to. So we are, uh, I'm, I'm doing a study or I've been working on a follow-up study that really explores avoidance more specifically. So uh, you know, are there different types of avoidance, sometimes that are good and sometimes that are bad? How are those things correlated with um, t- particular types of behaviors? Are, are there times when we should just walk away? Of course there are. What are those times, you know? Are there times when we should avoid avoidance and uh, actually kind of deal with things? Of course there are, but what are those times? And so trying to better understand that.
3: Did you think there are any gender differences
0: or yeah, you know, the the gender differences when it comes to anger are interesting because they aren't necessarily what people expect on the surface. Um, anger is, uh, there are gender differences with regard to expression, not necessarily experience. Oh, okay. And so males and females don't necessarily get angry at different rates or different amounts. Um, females tend to uh, suppress a little bit more. They tend to use avoidance a little bit more. Males tend to uh, be aggressive more often. Um, so males tend to yell, scream, hit things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, women are a little bit more likely to uh, like cry or pout or, or things like that. You know, w- anytime we're talking about those kinds of group differences, though, it's important to remember that uh, what, what the expression within group differences are mm-hmm. greater than between mm-hmm. groups. So. You find lots of women who are aggressive. You find lots of men who cry. Um, but but there are some sort of general differences there.
1: Have you ever looked at kind of? I know I'm assuming you do your research with adults, but have you ever thought of or even done research like more with like the developmental stages of like anger, more with like younger kids?
0: I I haven't. Um, I'm I am really interested in in the development, and a lot of this just comes from being a parent, right? And I've got two kids, an eight and a six year old, and so. I'm I- intrigued by kind of how they learn to develop and manage emotions um and where that stuff comes from and so it's most of most of my work in that area is is personal um <laughs> in that it's <laughs> it's observations and so my youngest last night we were playing uh we were playing hockey in the basement, and um it was so interesting because we played for he he said he wanted to play to ten and we played to ten and it was like eight to six at one point, and he just kept... He seemed to believe he was going to win the whole time, and I was... If he's listening or ever is listening, I don't want him to know that I was letting him score plenty. (laughs) Um, but, but, But he as we were playing like at one point i mean he was literally singing a song called i own this place oh, wow. um, that, <laughs> that he wrote yes. and i and and at one point i said but you don't like you're losing and he said um and he, he just said i still own this place right so the song turned into i still own this place and then i scored and he and that was the last it was like to make it 10
3: give him a reality yes deck. and
0: he literally he just he looked at the goal and he, he seemed to try and find a way to rationalize like why the game wasn't really over and then he just threw the stick down and walked out of the room crying <laughs> and oh, said and that? then said you don't always have to win daddy or something like that and oh. i was like <laughs> and, so, and then and was was all upset um, and so yeah it's sadness it's also there was some anger there but it was so funny because i think honestly like when i think about okay cognitively what was going on with him I don't, and by cognitively, I mean, what kinds of thoughts was he having? I don't think the idea of losing ever occurred to him. You know, like, I don't think the fa- – I think up until the point that he lost, I think he – like, so he was – he went into the entire situation thinking, I'm going to win, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. And then when he didn't, he was genuinely shocked, uh, A. But then also it played into, like, that his thought immediately was, well, that should have let me win, you know. And then he we were upstairs, and he's talking, and he was still upset, and he's saying, like – you know you could have let me win you're always trying so hard or something like that and it's like which i want for the record to show this is not true (laughs) right (laughs) i let him win all the time and things i just didn't last night um but it so it it plays into this like you can see how those particular types of thoughts tobin is uh that's my son's name he is um what I would call an overgeneralizer. So he uses words like always and never, often, right? And so I never get what I want. I always, I never get to watch things. I always have to eat whatever. Why do I always have to get my haircut? That was his thing last night. I'm like, what do you mean always get your haircut? Like, yeah, like once a month you get your hair. Right, you know. And so, um, like those are the so those are the ways in which I think I am really interested in. I mean, we don't expect kids to be reasonable or rational. Um, but you can, and so you can see some really intense emotions coming from that lack of reason or lack of rational thinking sometimes other stuff well other okay questions? i have a question yeah. if you
3: weren't studying anger today what would you be researching
0: oh that is a good question i haven't really thought about that <laughs> um i mean i i think that i'm so this is a not the greatest answer uh, in some ways. Well, it's hard to imagine. You have, to have like,
3: a great answer for a great question. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I do. Okay. Well, let me say I have I have expanded my interest in anger to include a lot of other sort of violence related phenomena, um, and so I've become really interested in things like domestic violence and sexual assault and um, gun violence and a host of other sorts of things related to that. Um, those things are oftentimes not related to anger, which is why it's an okay answer, but they are also sometimes related to anger, you know, and so it's, it's not a, a great answer that way. Um, so I think the, that is where, like, m- my heart lies, mm-hmm. is in, in thinking about violence and thinking about essentially why people are why people hurt other people um and and i mean in like the interpersonal way why do why do people beat up on their spouses but uh, or their kids but also in the big picture way like why do people pass laws that hurt people why Mm -hmm. why do people embrace a healthcare policy that's going to leave millions dead right that's and because i think of those as acts of violence as well and um and so i'm I think I'm really, in it. and so it stems from that interest and anger, but I want to know why people hurt each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, I don't know, is that good enough? It'll work. We'll okay, it. good. <laughs> It'll pass. I, I will also say, I like, the question that I, I always like to answer, too, is what would I do if I wasn't doing this? And I am so, so interested in journalism. Um, and I love, like, movies about journalists, and I love, things like that um, and I think investigative journalism is fascinating and um, and but a lot of what I would be interested in even there is the why do people hurt each other you know like those are the stories that I am intrigued by
3: I'm really shocked by that answer really I for sure you're going to say shark wrangler oh <laughs> yeah one, I, I do yeah <laughs> no that is
0: so I I oftentimes tell Whenever I go to my wife's, um, like, high school reunions and stuff, I tell all of her friends that I'm a shark wrangler. I bet that, that. Yeah, that worked a lot better um, before Facebook, because now they all know what I do, because they invent. Um, so I still tell them, but they don't believe me. So, <laughs> you you just need
2: to get some great pictures of you with sharks. Yeah. Like, like photo
0: proof. Yeah. Well, there yeah, are some, because story. I swam with them that time, foolishly. Oh, no. so, <laughs> so, uh, yes.
1: Um, so you had mentioned that you're getting more interested in, like, the kind of research on, like, violence, but what would you like to research next?
0: That's great. The, the two things that I am most interested in right now, um, one is is exploring this uh, avoidance question, Um I really do want to study that more fully and, and figure out how people express that. The other is, you know, I've done a lot of work on social media and how people express anger social, on social media. Social media changes very, very quickly, and I do want to do some follow-up studies on on that. So, you know, uh, the, the thing that was in no way included in any of my previous work was Snapchat, um, and so I do want to kind of get a feel for how people tend to express their anger in that venue. Um, and so that's another piece. Um, I'm also... um, I have studied gun violence informally uh, for a long time, and so I write a lot about gun violence and and gun policy and things like that for my blog, Um, but what I haven't done, and I've collected some data on this that I haven't yet published, but one of the things I'm really interested in is actually understanding the relationship between anger and guns, and so... uh, To to unpack that a little bit, one of the things we know is that people, if you're in a provoking situation, you uh, sometimes you will feel either anger or fear, right? And so if you're threatened, put it that way, if you're threatened, it's likely to feel anger or fear in that situation. And one of the predictors of how you're going to feel is actually power, right? And so if somebody comes up and tries to and threatens you, if you, if that person's much bigger than you, if that person's holding a weapon, if that person is truly threatening you, you're more likely to feel fear in response to that. If that person is small, if that person is, if you're holding a weapon, you're more likely to get angry, right? Because um, and so power essentially predicts how you're going to feel in that type of situation. And so I wonder sometimes if people's love of guns actually stems from the fact that it makes them feel. Anger instead of fear, and if it also even leads to them feeling anger instead of fear in those types of situations, and so it's like this safety element um, that people are so scared of being scared uh, that, and that anger feels so much more comfortable to them that having a, a weapon either on them or in their car or in their home allows them not just a feeling of safety, but it allows them to feel a safer emotion. And so I'm really interested in that kind of uh, that kind of piece of the equation, and the way in which that plays into what what we call the pre-anger state sometimes, and, and plays into that.
2: Interesting. Well, yeah, that's a hot topic right now. Yes. There's lots of lots of stuff for you yeah. to work with.
0: Yes. The NRA doesn't really let people research it though, so mm-hmm. they they have policies in place that um, you can research it, but. Um, you, it's hard to get funding for it because Mm -hmm. they've, they've worked to have laws passed that don't, um, that discourage research. Uh, they also, there are laws in place that make it impossible to use that research in deciding policy. Um, so, um, you can't, yes. Mm -hmm. So Hmm. you can't inform politicians, which is bananas, right? I mean, there's what universe?
3: That sounds a little bit corrupt. (laughs) Right, right. So,
0: yeah, um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's bananas to think that you can't use research findings to promote policy. Knowledge right? is power. Yes, right. I mean, what what are the circumstances which we're going to say? Sorry, we know this thing, but you can't use this thing for. Her. So there you go.
1: Now I'm angry. Now. Yeah, yeah. No. It made you mad. Sorry.
0: Very good. Should we transition into uh, the five questions that, sure, So yeah, we I should. that
3: part. Okay. Yes. So <laughs>
0: Sammy is obviously a longtime listener, doesn't know about the five questions. <laughs> um, so uh, usually with, with guests, especially new guests, we ask them five questions. We draw from a hat, which is why I brought a hat with questions I was in it.
3: Like an Abraham Lincoln hat.: yeah, yeah, this is just a baseball cap.:
0: Yes, it's never been worn, though. I make sure of that because I like to draw questions from it, and I never want people to think it's got like head lice in it or anything no, like that. Because I, I use it, I use it in class. <laughs> it's actually from I think a, a sporting event that no longer exists. My brother created that event, and I'm not sure it's real anymore. Something, do tour. The AST Do Tour. So on this NBC, this episode brought to you by the AST Do Tour. I in a little promo. Yeah, that, that do stands for Mountain Dew. By the way, they were the big see. sponsor. Yeah, it's not just a. It'd be weird if it was just do like on the ground. <laughs> so,
3: anyways. Anyway. So you, all right. you draw we'll, a question. We'll the one. The first one
0: warning is that there's a lot of questions about food. I think I must have been hungry when I wrote those. So oh, if wow. if we get too many questions about food, gonna we're inspire gonna inspire any like
2: yeah. cravings within me. I, this I'm, is not good. Make the pregnant lady crave things. <laughs> all right. First question. What was your favorite book as a child?
0: All right. Um, I read over and over a book called Dear Mr. Henshaw. You guys ever heard of Dear Mr. Henshaw? No. It is a series of letters between this kid and his favorite author, I think, um, where he's writing this author all these letters. And it's a kid who – yeah, I've been tempted to reread. So this is my plan. Some summer I'm going to reread and rewatch all sorts of things from my childhood to see why I liked them so much, um, to try and, like – understand that. it's part of my that quest for insight um that, it's a psych- so, classic psychologist yes so um but that book i for whatever reason i loved that book when i was a kid and i would read it over and over again i would actually alternate between that and something else and i don't remember what the something else was but i would read this one and then i'd read the other one and then i'd come back to it and um but it's a really it's a really thoughtful book about this kid's dad was uh, not was a, I think a truck driver and and his parents were divorced and so he didn't have and so it was like this guy was like a surrogate father figure I think and he would write him letters and then, and then and so you were only seeing one side of the conversation always they wouldn't give you the letters from the other person and so. Um, yeah, that's it, a
2: very oh. deep book for a child. I think it might have been, yeah. And
0: so you'd you'd learn kind of what Mister Henshaw said. I think this is my memory of it. It's been a while, but um, <laughs> you would you would learn what Mister Henshaw said through the letters that he would write back, and he'd be like, yeah, I, you know, I liked your comment about whatever, you know, and that, and that would so, um, yeah, so it was it was interesting. Though I remember liking it. Here's my fear, though, if I try and reread it I've, I've been reading a lot of raw doll books to my son right now and um they all kind of suck like they're all <laughs> i i hate to say that it, it's like it, ruin the illusion yeah, it's, for you. it's devastating to me because so so far we've read four or five of these fantastic mr fox is still great totally holds up james and the giant peach kind of disappointing there's this whole sequence with cloud Ben, that's stupid um uh charlie and the chocolate factory was great Charlie in the great glass elevator is a turd um, and then whatever I'm reading right now is someone's magnificent medicine or whatever like that is literally some of the worst writing I've ever read and so I don't even know what to do like I'm I'm devastated especially I it I think Ra Dahl's dead and I don't think he's a listener yes I don't want to hurt his feelings so if the doll family is listening I sorry i loved it as a child i don't like it now <laughs>
3: i did try to rewatch james and the giant peach this summer is it bad it was horrible oh my goodness uh, i got like five minutes yeah. in and i was like i feel yeah. disturbed and i had that, to turn it off that's
0: troubling because we read it so we could watch the movie because i remember liking the movie when i was a kid but yeah
1: i've seen the movie in a long time yeah
0: it's yeah so this that's the danger i'm scared to go back and read dear mr anshaw because it might be better in my memory than it, it probably is
1: better mm-hmm. Okay, next question is, what did you want to be when growing up?
0: Wow. I don't... Honestly, for a long time, I don't remember wanting to be anything. Like, I don't remember... I don't have much of a memory when I was a kid of, like, any particular job I was interested in. I went to college with the plan of being a teacher, um, a math teacher specifically. I loved math when I was in school. And it was, like... It was one of the only (laughs) subjects I was good at when I was growing up. And then... I think I discovered that a lot of it was related to like having a really good math teacher because I had a really bad math teacher in college Mm -hmm. and it it wasn't it didn't work as well and I I didn't like it as much Um, and so I started studying psychology planning to be a clinician and then essentially combined those two interests eventually and became a psychology teacher so I think that's my best memory of what I wanted to do was to be Mm -hmm. a teacher but I don't remember when I was a kid Probably a lot of the I really liked firefighters. I remember being thinking that was cool. Um, probably I don't know Olympic athlete. I remember planning like, <laughs> I remember in like elementary school being like I am gonna be an Olympic swimmer, and my brother being like you know you have to start that pretty early. <laughs> so I'm like oh, okay well so I won't do that then. <laughs>
2: That's so, out of the
0: question. Yeah.
3: Okay. Next question. Any favorite line from a movie? Oh
2: geez, this is the perfect question. For you. <laughs> <This is> the, <laughs> I,
0: I have so many. Um, so my favorite movie is a movie called Cool Hand Luke um, which very few people have seen. It is a Paul Newman movie who is my Ooh. favorite actor when I was growing up um, and still kind of um, and it he plays, um, a guy who goes to prison for the dumbest of crimes. He was cutting the heads off of parking meters. Oh, I know. That's no. You
1: should have yeah. Well, they they
0: do that in the movie at one point. They Are make seriously? it, yeah, they make it sound like it's going to be worse than it is. But he was cutting the heads off parking meters for some reason. He was drunk, and he and so he goes to and then it's all about him in this like work camp, um, kind of like breaking rules and and stuff like that and at one point he says that's how he got his name cool hand luke is he's he's um he's playing poker and he's bluffing and he wins and he says sometimes nothing is a real cool hand and so they start calling him cool hand luke and so i've always liked that line it's a nice way of thinking about how you can find power in situations even when you have
3: Wow, that was way deeper than I thought yeah. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. Go you know, no, I was gonna go. with Just a silly line. What about from your the... favorite James Bond line? Oh yeah, why was that uh, not your favorite? Favorite song? <laughs> songs were <for> <laughs> Goldfinger.
0: He's a man. I could have been Shirley Bassey. Uh, so, um, I actually from Goldfinger there is a great line from uh the villain when when he's torturing Bond and Bond says you expect me to talk Goldfinger? and he says no Mr Bond I expect you to die which I've always liked a lot so
3: yeah, I've always <laughs> thought it like, was funny
0: because like it says a lot it, it's about it's clever you talk to Bond. <laughs> yeah, it's clever because he's like torturing him right and mm-hmm. so he, it seems like he's trying to like get information out of him but no he's just just torturing him just so. terrible person yeah, yeah so
2: all right. Well, on another deep note. <laughs> what is your least favorite food?
0: I really, really hate mushrooms. What? I know. Yeah, I just I'm think they're gross you, yeah. in every My way. God. And the texture. Yeah.
3: You're all crazy.
0: And the worst thing about mushrooms is that, um, they're in so many foods. Like that I that I I mean it just feels like I constantly have to like tell people. That you know hold the mushrooms or whatever um, and uh, and it's so actually when when my kids were young I used to pretend that I liked them all the time because I want I don't I really so when we talk about emotion and we talk about development <laughs> there is a we call it social referencing in that kids oftentimes look to their caregivers for um, for how to feel about things, and I never wanted them to see me disgusted by mushrooms because then they would learn that they were bad, and mushrooms are relatively good for you, and so I didn't want that, so I would pretend to like them all the time, and it worked with one of my kids and that he loves them, uh, and he will actually take mine now, which is great, and so, and for a while, I made it seem like, oh, I really want it, Reese, but you can have it, you know, and so now he just knows I don't like him, um, and <laughs> But yeah, I really hate mushrooms. They're in everything and I have to then they're gross and life. Oh, like, yeah. How do you cope? It's really you know what <laughs> what really sucks is going to uh a friend's house when they're serving that because oh. yeah, so one time my so my wife really hates shrimp and we went to a friend's house and they said, Hey, we're gonna have like jumbo shrimp for dinner or whatever and Tina like said I really don't love shrimp and told them that and they're like that's fine we'll have mushrooms <laughs> <laughs> like, stuffed mushrooms." Yes. and so then because i'm a team player i didn't want to write back and be like actually you found the two foods wow. that we hate and so <laughs> i just took
2: one for the team i
0: suffered through it i would i would eat one every time they pointed it out they're like oh I'll have some mushrooms and I'd be like oh I can't, you can't stop me you know and then i'd eat it and then um and then i would uh like just not have any for a while until so i think i ended up having like three as the night went on but only when people were looking so yeah (laughs) all right is this question five this is the last one
1: Uh, a different note is what is your biggest pet peeve yes
0: my biggest pet peeve what is my biggest pet peeve okay um (laughs) slow walkers yes. But, yes. Uh, all all the, yeah. slow walkers but particularly it's not just slow walkers it's when people walk slowly in the hallways and when they there's like a couple people walking across mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. it's real hard to get around them and i i do tend to walk i can be patient with people who just walk slow because i get that i walk a little fast but if you make it really hard to get around me i get i find myself getting really frustrating so. I do recall you saying the
3: reason that this happens is because you don't give yourself yep. enough time from point A to point B.
0: That is true, and I'm working on that, not effectively, but I'm working <laughs> it on that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think in I teach a class all the way across campus this semester, and I I find myself often running late for it, and it's it's weird because I'm not I'm a super punctual person. Like I'm typically like right on time for everything. I hate that's another one actually is um people who run late consistently. It it can irritate me because it always feels like what they're saying is like my time is more valuable than yours, or you know, and and so I I that's an, always an issue for me. I'm typically a very punctual person. For some reason, in that class I think it just always underestimate how long it's going to take me to get there, which is a weird mistake to make. But, yeah. That is right. it.
2: Wow, well, you made it through the five questions. Yes, yes. I did. Victory! <laughs> awesome.
0: Cool. Right. Well, as we finish up, one thing I guess—any other questions to ask before I resume my hosting responsibilities? Yeah. So, all right, go for it. Awesome. Well, I do. I do want to put a plug in for um, the All the Rage podcast and my blog, All the Rage. Um, both of those are available through uh, Phoenix Studios, which is, you can find at www.uwgb.edu slash podcasts, right? So you can find All the Rage, you can find Psychology and Stuff, you can find Indented and Serious Fun and probably some others. So a lot of great podcasts coming out of UWGB that I want to plug. Um All the Rage blog also has lots and lots and lots of research and resources related to anger and anger management and things like that. So if you want to learn more about anger, give those things a watch. Sophie, what is happening next time? Because I don't remember. Um, Oh, wait. uh, uh, Domestic violence, right? No? Not domestic violence. Yes, sexual assault center. All right. Yes, we have got a very... Uh, exciting episode coming up. In fact, Sammy, I think you are hosting that one, right, with the Sexual mm. Assault Center next yeah, time? Yeah, I knew that. All right, <laughs> yes. So Sammy, <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, Sammy and Sophie are going to host uh, an episode with uh, a, a director at the Sexual Assault Center. So talking about talking about the work they do, but also internships, things like that. So tune in for that episode and that is all we have for today. Thank you very much for tuning in. I want to say a quick thanks to our producer, Kate Farley, our intern, Sophie Seeland, our podcast artist, Kimberly Vlice. Anyone else I should be thanking? The three of you. <laughs> Thank you very much, Amber, Katrina, and Sammy, for hosting this episode early, early, early in the
3: morning. Thank you for being on our show. <laughs> nice.